Everyone, Dr. Axe here. Welcome to the show. Today, we've got an incredible doctor on, Dr. Michael Ruscio, and he is a doctor of natural medicine and doctor of chiropractic, and he is an expert in gastroenterology and digestive health. So if you're saying to yourself, I want to absorb better, digest better, get more out of my vitamins and supplements and so much more, we're going to talk about all that today, lowering inflammation and a lot of other great things, but so excited to have Dr. Michael here with us today. Dr. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, cool. We're going to talk today a lot about gut health and everything associated with, of course, gut health affects our mood, our energy, our sleep, our hormones, our skin, our metabolism. But you know, I'd love to start off here talking about uh, you know just what what got you excited about gut health because <laughs> there are a lot of things you could be excited about. You know, you sure. could be excited about <laughs> hormones. You could be excited about metabolism. What is it that really attracted you to and really caused you to write you know a couple books now on yeah. how to how to how to support a healthy gut? Well, you know, going back to college, um, I had a kind of a painful experience of, of being a, a college athlete. I played lacrosse at UMass and feeling, you know, like a typical strong college guy, kind of invincible, and and I could do whatever, be up late, and never be phased by it. Until I started having fairly debilitating insomnia, depression, and brain fog, almost just with the drop of a hat, and. When I went to a few doctors to get kind of checked out, they all said, well, it's stress, it's exams. And you know, the, the backstory is even though I was feeling fairly impervious to stress and, and such, I wasn't binge drinking, I wasn't staying up super late, I was eating all organic, it really had kind of all the diet and lifestyle things fairly buttoned up, but then all of a sudden, I just felt like my health was starting to unravel. And unbeknownst to me, I had acquired a parasitic infection, an amoeba, actually. And this amoeba was leading me to, even though I was eating a healthy diet and living a healthy lifestyle, there was so much inflammation in my gut that everything was causing this inflammation and all this brain fog and depression and insomnia. And that diverted my path into gut health. So it was really quite unpleasant to go through it myself, but it taught me that, boy, you can have all these symptoms that are a byproduct of what's going on in your gut. You know, one of the things you essentially talked about here is cleaning out bad bugs, right? You know, we have a, 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 a doctor that I'm very good friends with. He co-hosts the show with me, Dr. Christopher Motley. And Dr. Chris is always talking about different viruses and parasites and, and you know, different invading organisms. So talk more about that specifically. What, what, how did you treat yourself? How did you heal yourself from, you know, from, from, from bad bugs? Because I know there's a lot of different strategies out there. We'd love to hear, how did you heal yourself? Sure. Well, this goes back maybe 18 years. So I, I think the field of integrative and natural medicine has learned a lot about addressing parasites yeah. since then. What I ended up doing was one round of herbal antimicrobial therapy, saw some improvement, but the retesting didn't show eradication. So then I did another round of Alinea, an anti-parasitic uh, antibiotic essentially, paired with the herbal antimicrobials. And that's when I was able to clear the organism. Today, I don't know that I would need to have used the Alinea because we've learned so much more about biofilms and the synergy between probiotics and antimicrobials. In fact, there was just uh, two studies published that found that the antibiotics for SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, work more effectively if paired with probiotics. And back then, my clinician wasn't even really recommending probiotics. So I think there were some big misses, but in my case, it was, it was a pairing of, of antibiotics and herbal antimicrobial therapy. Wow. Cool. You know, and it makes a lot of sense there in terms of what you're doing in terms of trying to eliminate and then reseed and repopulate the good bacteria. And right, we got to do that. The thing that I think everyone has to realize here, if you're listening is you have to have bacteria. 
You have to have microorganisms. Right. You just need to have the right ones. And also those, the good ones can actually start to displace and actually fight the bad ones for you. Yeah. And that's so much of what Doc is talking about here. And that's so important. And so, so doctor, when you get into Michael, when you get into, um, you know, obviously focusing a lot on gut health, how does it differ? You know, when you have somebody come in with, because one of the things, by the way, I love your, you, you got a book out, which you sent me, which I flipped through. This is a couple of years ago now, but it's a great book. It's called Healthy Gut, Healthy You. You really in the book talk about all of these different conditions and how they're linked to gut health. How does right. that come into play when you're treating patients today in terms of if you have someone come in, for instance, with Hashimoto's thyroiditis or something like that, what role does gut play, gut health play in a condition like that? Yeah, great point. And thank you for asking. So one of the things that I, I find is a, a real kind of inefficiency for, for individuals when they go on the internet and start searching about what's driving my Hashimoto's, what's driving my breakouts, what's driving my joint pain, what's driving my mood problems. They're, they're looking for natural solutions to all the symptoms, but they're not thinking about what's the underlying cause of those symptoms. And the analogy I often use in the clinic with my patients is there's all these branches of symptoms, but they come down to usually one or two or three root causes. And one of the most common root causes is your gut health. So the, the protocol that I lay out in Healthy, Healthy You, it's not about using a probiotic for depression or an herb for sleep. It's about what can we do to address the root cause of your gut that may manifest as issues with thyroid, issues with sleep, issues with skin. So the first thing we try to do is re-educate people through, we wanna start with fixing your gut health and look at that through the frame of, here's all the different therapies on offer, maybe a paleo diet, maybe a low FODMAP diet. There's a couple of different diets as kind of a step one example. How do we help you determine what diet's gonna be best for you and for your gut instead of saying, well, this is the Hashimoto's diet, this is the bloating diet, this is the skin diet. It tends not to work that way. It's, it's more so about here's the diets that we know help people as step one, let's start with feeling through those diets to see where we get the best response and then kind of move on. So in, in partial answer to your question, that's how we try to give people kind of this vantage of all the therapies and help them navigate what's best for them of those available options. One of the things I love about that, Dr. Michael, is that's the exact approach that I teach is that, hey, everybody's different, right? This goes right. back to Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and all in, you know these ancient forms of medicine is that everyone is a unique individual. Not everybody should be on the exact same paleo or keto or vegan or whatever the diet is, is everyone's a unique individual. Now, how do you get to that with people? You know, when, when you look at somebody who is having, uh, again, anybody that comes with a health problem, how do you help determine what exactly those people need for, for, for their unique, uh, you know, problem. Yeah. Well, one thing that we don't do is a lot of testing. This is an area that I think the natural community is kind of misguiding people. We don't mm -hmm. necessarily need a thousand or 2000 or $3,000 worth of lab work to figure out what diet you need or what probiotics you need. So there's a time and a place for testing. Yes, but there's a lot we can determine just from simple, uh, experiments. Try a paleo diet, let's say for three weeks. Are your symptoms generally improving? Then great, we're on the right track. For some people, especially with digestive symptoms, they may notice that a paleo diet kind of flares them. And it may be that they're eating too much fruit, too much fiber, too much prebiotics. Uh, ironically, for some people, overconsumption of things like avocado, broccoli, and cauliflower, because they're so rich in prebiotics, may actually irritate their gut. 
And so, okay, then it's just a simple pivot. We tried paleo about three weeks. You felt a little worse. Let's now pivot to low FODMAP and give that three weeks. And if you say, oh, you know, my bloating is getting less. My brain fog is improving. Great, we're on the right track. So with the diets, it's a series of just simple experiments for about three to four weeks each until we find the one, not that necessarily resolves all the symptoms like that, but where we're getting a general trend of symptoms moving in the right direction, and then we kind of move on to the next step, which is, is typically uh, probiotics. It makes a lot of sense. And by the way, I'm in total agreement. A lot of times there is over-testing happening today. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of times it happens because doctors unfortunately, are looking to get paid from from lab testing. And listen, I think lab tests can be fantastic. I think doing some lab testing uh, can be good. Uh, but again, I think sometimes, especially in the medical community, it can absolutely be overdone. And we're, we're absolutely seeing that. So talk to me about this in terms of gut health. What are some of the things that are generally good for almost everybody in terms of some things people need to stay away from? And I want to say this, things that stay away from that some people still think is healthy today. What are some of those things that people need to get out of their diet? Mm. Well, I mean, processed foods, I mean, it sounds really obvious, but there's a lot of things that sneak their way into processed food. So I think we have to be a little bit careful unless you're buying from someone you know, like yourself who you know has a high standard. It's really amazing the amount of stuff that can sneak its way into a food that doesn't have to be disclosed on the label. And this is something I've really come to learn over the past couple of years is that things can be snuck in that aren't necessarily uh, good for you. Uh, so that would be one. It would be processed foods uh, of multiple stripes. This could be everything from a bar all the way through maybe a juice. Um, and, and that's really probably the most important starting point. From there, th- there's quite a, a degree of individuality in terms of dietary things that are problematic for some, but not for all. I think gluten's a good example that it's problematic for some, but it's not problematic for all. Uh, dairy would be another, and I'm sure your audience is well attuned to these through the conversations that you've had in terms of things to be cognizant of, but maybe a couple other things that aren't often associated to gut health would be sleep. There's been some really elegant studies that have found that if you disrupt someone's sleep rhythm, it has an immediate negative impact on their gut flora. And if you have lack of time in nature or you're sedentary, this also has shown to have a negative impact on your microbiota. So the dietary and lifestyle things that are kind of platitudinous, well, make sure you're dieting and exercising. You know, it's, it's worth putting significant time there to make sure that they're dialed in because those have a positive impact on you as an individual. And in part, what allows healthy bacteria to grow is how healthy are you as a host. And so those are some external factors that have a positive impact on gut health, which I think are really important to mention. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, one of the other things, something I see a lot of times, people even go to health food stores and it's, you know, they're using a lot of sunflower and safflower oil, right? Mm-hmm. And some of those things, a lot of those omega-6s can add up. A lot of the just starches, That's a you good know, point. can yep. add up in a lot of these snack foods today. But there's definitely some of the big things you talked about, especially conventional dairy, some of the others can be problematic for people with digestive issues. Talk to me about, you know, what what, what does a diet look like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for somebody who's, somebody who's saying, I really want to heal my gut. Uh, And again, I know there are many cases in every case, when you see somebody specifically, you're going to personalize that diet. But, but typically what does that look like for somebody looking to heal their gut and the rest of their body? What's a good example of what they should be eating for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? 
Sure. Well, um, it, it does depend on what kind of dietary template you're going to go through. But let's say we're going to use a, a paleo template. Then someone may have two eggs cooked with some coconut oil and maybe a slice of avocado or some wilted greens. That wouldn't be you know, a bad idea. And the foundation of healthy sources of protein plus some fruits and vegetables, it, it sounds really broad, but, but that's kind of your starting point. And then you can really modify the fruits and vegetables to be lower FODMAP or just regular, depending on you know where you are in your journey. Have you just kind of tried the healthy cuts of meat, fish, plus fruits and vegetables? Or um, it, you know, if, if you have done that, then you may want to select the fruits and vegetables that are lower FODMAP. So as an example, you could do the two eggs. And in fact, I'll oftentimes do this for breakfast. Two eggs cooked with some coconut oil. And then I'll take some uh, spring mix, and I'll put that in the pan, wilt it a little bit, put a couple scoops of salsa on top of that, and make this kind of quick, takes about five minutes, and it's it's really healthy. And that would also be an example of, of something that's low FODMAP kind of compliant. Um, if FODMAPs aren't a problem, maybe you make that half an avocado uh, as one example. And then for lunch, someone could do something as simple as a chicken breast with, and I know you talk a lot about spices, so curcumin or turmeric or paprika, uh, oregano with maybe olive oil or coconut oil baked and something as simple as asparagus. You know, asparagus would be a high FODMAP, so it would depend on if someone's trying to steer towards or away FODMAPs. Uh, so those are just a couple of quick examples of, of some things that people can do as a general starting point. The starch is something you mentioned earlier. That would be something that we take more on an individual basis. I like to start people on a little bit more of a lower kind of carb and starch just to see how they do and then ramp up from there. So they may be able to add in some rice um, or some potato or some squash. I would start a bit lower carb and then see how they do. Especially for women though, um, they want to be careful not to stay too low carb too long. It does seem that for women, being too low carb for too long can start to cause uh, things like insomnia or fatigue. So that's something else to look out for. Sometimes women will kind of cut back on their diet. They feel really good. That works a little while, but then they start to regress because they've gone too restrictive for too long. Yeah, absolutely agree. And you start to see, I think a lot of times, adrenal and thyroid issues start to pop up too sometimes with that. So I'm, I, I'm absolutely with you. I think there, there definitely need to be conscious there. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of the, your favorite supplements and, and herbals and remedies and things you like to treat patients with that you've seen good results with. For let, Let's first talk digestive issues, but then I know you deal a lot with thyroid and adrenal. I want to talk about that after. But starting off with gut health, what are some of your favorite recommended supplements and herbals and other things that you think really kind of make a big difference? Well, foundationally, probiotics. I, I've become a increasingly strong proponent of probiotics, and this has been a, a byproduct of two things. One, the, the absolute blossoming body of published literature showing that probiotics can help with IBS, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, and there are, I mean, clinical trial after clinical trial showing benefit for that cohort of individuals. But even now we're seeing things like a modest reduction in blood pressure and blood cholesterol. Again, modest, but something, you know, something there, a positive directional change. And even a meta-analysis, meaning a summary of clinical trials showing that probiotics can improve depression and anxiety. So now we're really seeing that, wow, the probiotic may help with my gut. It may also help with my mood may help with my cardiovascular health. 
So that's really quite exciting. And there's even some evidence now showing that probiotics can help with what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, meaning if someone's liver is getting congested, uh, and oftentimes when the gut's not healthy, it all drains to the liver, so the liver kind of cleans up the mess. So it's, it, it stands to reason that if the liver is having issues because the gut is unhealthy, if the probiotics clean up the mess in the gut, there's no longer that mess for the liver to filter and the liver gets healthier. So because there's all these benefits from probiotics, I really like starting there. And we've been using something called probiotic triple therapy, where we're combining three formulas and using them at the same time. And that seems to have a really kind of strong um, influence on balancing the gut. So, uh, you know, there's others, but I'll, I'll pause there in case you want to uh, follow up on any of that. You know, I, I think probiotics are brilliant. I think, you know, getting uh, various types. Of course, we love soil-based organisms and think those can be very, very beneficial for people. But yeah, I, I love the idea of getting, well, I love people getting more and more probiotics in their diet. I think, you know, today we're living in a world where so many supplements are in circulation now, <laughs> that sometimes certain things start to lose some of the highlight they've had in the past, because I think 10 years ago, probiotics were probably the most highlighted, fastest growing category in health food stores. And today, they're kind of sinking back a little bit because herbs and mushrooms and and I think those should be highlighted as well. But 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 uh, in addition to probiotics, which I'm in agreement with, what are some of the other things you 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 recommend? Yeah, well, um, you know, enzymes can be helpful. Uh, hydrochloric acid and enzymes—they're kind of another facet. And and the way I think through this clinically is, the you know, we, we want to try to reduce as much noise as possible. Meaning, if you're having all these symptoms and you can't make heads or tails of it, I, I don't know if they correlate with my cycle or with what I eat. You know, I, I have no ability to kind of um, tie cause and effect from my symptoms. The first thing we want to try to do is reduce the amount of noise. So we'll start with diet, and that typically helps calm things down a little bit. And then probiotics, secondly, helps to calm down even additional symptoms. But then you may have a couple of symptoms that remain, meaning I still have diarrhea or I still have reflux. And this is where now you can be more targeted and say, okay, let's see if your reflux is from inadequate stomach acid production. And since that is one of the only symptoms still present, we can do a targeted trial on stomach acid and see if we see a measurable and notable improvement in the reflux or enzymes may be better for bloating or for diarrhea. It's more of a typical kind of presentation of an enzyme insufficiency. So that's part of thinking I try to kind of codify in Healthy Good Healthy You, which is, you know, again, here's all the stuff that you could do. Let's try to organize this in a sequence so that we can really learn what your system needs. Uh, and so enzymes and HCL are another that can be really helpful, but I think it's important to try to be targeted because what we don't want is uh, kind of to your point, there's so many supplements in circulation now, people just kind of read about one supplement and then put it in their in their protocol. And then a month later, they read about another one. And after two years, they're on like 18 things. They, they haven't done these kind of targeted experiments. Yeah, these are great points. And so again, I love the idea of people are, you know, seeing what works, you know, I think it's kind of reminds me of like an elimination diet. Hey, let's go ahead and take some time to see sure. what doesn't work, what does work over time, both with food and supplements and learn what your body does best with. And I actually think that's even more accurate than oftentimes testing for, not to say that testing can't be beneficial, Agreed. but Agreed. I think this can be more beneficial in most cases because this is what's been done since the beginning of time for the most part in terms, how in, in terms of how ancient physicians discovered, hey, here's what's best for my patients and creating a personalized plan uh, you know, for, 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 for my patients. So I love that. Yeah. And something, and something like a, a FODMAP, just to insert one thing really quick, sorry. Yeah. Uh, something like a FODMAP intolerance, that doesn't show up on a food allergy test. There's no way to see that other than just trial and error. 
It's a great, great point. You know, I think a lot of times too, when you look at like the IgG tests, uh, you know, I, I've had people, things show up before and I don't really think they should have shown up. And there's other times when things don't show up and I'm like, this is, yep. so anyways, I'm, I'm with you. There's a lot of times people think that tests are definitive when they're not. It's just a way of looking at the body that is actually, there. There's a there's a fairly large degree of error with a lot of these, with a lot of these tests. And I think, again, as Dr. Russo was talking about here is oftentimes it's better to listen to your body and learn what your body's trying to tell you. Uh, and, and in that way, be sort of becoming your own doctor, listening to your own body, knowing what tweaks you need to make over time. Of course, starting working with a physician uh, can help there. Hey guys, Dr. Axe here. You know, I founded Ancient Nutrition with Jordan Rubin because we are on a mission to bring you history's healthiest whole food nutrients that can help you transform your health. You know, we've seen these amazing health transformations with our own families. My mom, Jordan himself, and our friends by using these ancient principles. Whether you're looking to boost your immune system, improve digestion, balance hormones, increase energy, sleep more soundly, or get the beauty benefits of thicker hair and fewer wrinkles, Ancient Nutrition is here to support you. Get $10 off your next purchase of just $40 or more with the code PODCAST10. I can't wait to hear about your personal health transformation. Let's talk about thyroid and adrenal health because this is something I think that so many people are suffering from when we're talking about you know hormonal conditions especially. What are some things you've noticed, some root causes of those issues and some of the most common ways that you treat, treat those issues? No, well, thank you for asking. I think this is a really important topic that that patients need to be armed with better uh, better data here. Um, the the one thing I'd want people to take away from this call is there is a absolute uh, endemic of patients being incorrectly labeled as hypothyroid, and this is likely coming from the fact that they have symptoms. And it's like, yes, we hear that you have symptoms, and we're going to try to fix those symptoms. But unfortunately, there, there's quite a bit of inaccurate thinking on the diagnostic criteria. If you go to a doctor and you're saying, I'm fatigued, I'm depressed, and I have dry skin, and they look at your lab work and they incorrectly tell you that you're hypothyroid, you'll then start on medication and presumably be on it for the rest of your life. And there was recently a paper written on this in the journal Thyroid 2018 by the, uh, the author Levatas. And he found that 60% of patients who had kind of an ambiguous thyroid diagnosis actually did not have hypothyroidism and were able to come off their medication with no problem. That has huge ramifications. That means there could be a, a sizable subset of people who maybe saw an, an integrative or naturopathic physician, and I, I'm in that camp. So you know, I'm, I'm part of the problem here, but I'm trying to sound the alarm bell so we can all fix it. You know, there might be a 60% chance that your symptoms will improve not from a thyroid hormone because you weren't hypothyroid to begin with, but oftentimes there's a problem in the gut that could be causing, again, that, that fatigue, that depression, and that dry skin could be a byproduct of intestinal dysbiosis or bacterial overgrowth, and that's the real root cause. I wouldn't recommend anyone willy-nilly stops a medication, but if you're unsure about the diagnosis, get a second opinion because we see probably one case per week of someone who is incorrectly diagnosed as hypothyroid. And that's it's really important to mention because the amount of people who've been on medication for years and don't need it, and then we fix their gut and, and 
issues change in a month or two is is staggering. So that's one thing I'd want people to to take away. It's just to uh, you know a check in to make sure that you're barking up the wrong tree or the right tree rather. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you know what? When I first opened my practice, this was probably. Oh gosh, thir- well, a while ago now, uh, <laughs> and I don't practice anymore. But when I ran my my functional med practice, the th- I, I I probably think the biggest thing I was surprised by is the number one condition I had people coming in for was hypothyroidism by right. far. I mean, the right. number of who who had been diagnosed with that, and so obviously it's very prevalent. And I'm with you. I think it's probably overdiagnosed, and definitely you know way too many women are prescribed a medication before they are able to work on their diet and use some of the herbals and things like that. In Chinese medicine, just for everyone's reference, it's called a qi and yang deficiency, which essentially means you're, you're on too much. You just need to unplug a little bit more and you need to take some foods that are a little bit more building. You can take things like ashwagandha. You can eat certain types of foods that are very nourishing to your adrenals, like seaweeds and berries and soups and things like that and wild fish. But anyways, I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you, doc. It is so, so true. Hypothyroidism in terms of the diagnosis, oftentimes there's a other issue related there. So, so as we are uh, discussing, one of, one of the other things I wanted to talk about is other conditions related to gut health. When you have, what are, what are the most common conditions when someone comes in to see you and they're like, doc, I have this issue or this issue. What are the most common condition where you're telling them, or you realizing yourself this for the most part, this condition is related to your gut health. Right. Well, I, I'd say there, there's, there's three, there are, um, issues with energy. There's fatigue, neurological, meaning brain fog, depression, or anxiety. And then also non-responsiveness to thyroid medication. So for those who are truly hypothyroid and they're saying, you know, my TSH was sky high, my T4 was in the tank. And I mean, according to the conventional lab ranges, so truly hypothyroid. And they went on medication, now their levels are normal, but they're still having symptoms. That would be the other cohort. So non-responsiveness to thyroid medication, fatigue, or just general problems with energy. And then any kind of brain fog, depression, or anxiety are oftentimes ultimately stemming back to the gut. Not as a absolute, but you'd be surprised the number of cases where the gut is really the underlying cause. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Those, those are those are some really, really good examples. You have the brain neurological health, the gut health, uh, or, or sorry, the brain neurological health, the energy and fatigue might be one that surprises some people, yeah. but absolutely in terms of how that can be related to adrenals and everything else you're talking about. Tell me about your new, your, your about your book here, Doc. So you've got your book, it's called healthy gut, healthy you. And also I love the imagery on the front of this book. If anybody wants to check this out, it's on amazon.com and you can just search healthy gut, healthy or Dr. Michael Ruscio. Um, but, but talk to us and walk us through your book, because one of the things I love that you go through in here is you essentially go through a step-by-step process on how to, you know, reseed, rebalance, sort of, you know, retrain your gut to be healthy. What are some of those steps you cover in the book? Sure. Well, well, thank you. And, and one of the things I wanted to do was try to make myself obsolete because at, at the clinic, there was a, a progressively long wait time for me to be able to see a patient. And, and I didn't like that I could only help one person at a time. And after about seven years in clinical practice, I found myself settling into kind of a rhythm that worked for most patients, kind of that 
the um, process we, we discussed earlier of a stepwise, let's try this, see how your system responds, and then modify. And so I, I wrote that into the, the protocol in Healthy Good Healthy You. And it's a choose your own adventure guide that um, evolves based upon your symptoms. And, and there's kind of this um, almost like a pyramid I, I try to have people envision where we start with the foundation layer, which is diet and lifestyle. And we talked about a few of those things already, sleep, stress, exercise, time in nature. So we lay out guidelines for those facets of health. We also help someone navigate a series of experiments for the different diets, paleo, low FODMAP, fasting, carb intake. And that's kind of rung one of the pyramid. And then we reevaluate. Are you doing great? Awesome. We're done. We'll go to maintenance. Are you not doing that well? Well, okay, we'll, we'll carry forward those things that were helpful and build from that first one in the pyramid. And now we'll go into personalizing the probiotic protocol for you. And right on the heels of that, the trial with the enzymes and the HCL. And you know, are you feeling great? Awesome. We'll go into maintenance. Are you not? Then we can escalate further to something like herbal antimicrobial therapy. This is where the, the oreganos come in and, and some of those herbs that have a history of being antibacterial, antiparasitic, anti antifungal. Um, and so it's kind of the succession of steps that we work someone through that's essentially what I do in the clinic. And we, we have a checkpoint at the end of every step and we say, okay, if you're feeling great, we go to maintenance. If not, we keep working through that process until we really help you get over the finish line. And what I think is unique about this book is it's not a, a book um, you know, about one topic, gluten or enzymes or parasites, and all those are important. They have their time and their place, but this book's kind of the, let's zoom out and quarterback all these things so you know how to navigate them and weave a personalized plan for you and for your gut in going through the book. Yeah, I love that. And again, I think personalized nutrition is the future. You know, everyone is a unique individual and needs unique attention. And, you know, the, when you look at the five elements from, you know, 3,000 years ago, that's a personalized nutrition plan. The doshas of Ayurveda, that's a personalized nutrition mm -hmm. plan. So learning about yourself and what your body does well with, including with gut health, because we've seen this. I mean, most people do not do well with raw foods if they have inflammatory bowel disease. Some yeah. people do well with cooked cruciferous vegetables. Some people don't. It just, everybody is so unique. So you need to listen to your body. You need to try some different things. And listen, if it's not just because, because I see this happen a lot of times as you probably do too. Somebody will listen to a podcast like this or watch something and there'll be a guest expert and they'll say, uh, you know, Moringa or, or something is good for every, you know, it's, it's right. the world's greatest food. You know, I had somebody do this re recently with a drink. It's kind of like, looks like it's brown liquid. You drink it, whatever. It's got a lot of things in it and, th and they're drinking it. And, I'm, but I'm, I'm looking at what's in there and I'm like, okay, that's going to be a little hard on the gut. And so, and you know, it was actually making them worse and they had an autoimmune disease and so, but we just think, oh, well, this thing's good for everybody. And listen, turmeric's good for probably 90% of people, but 10% of people are not going to do well with even something as gentle and good as something like turmeric. So it just depends. You got to listen to your body and you got to see what is working for you. And so, you know, you know, seeing, uh, you know, great healthcare practitioners reading a book uh, like Dr. Ruscio has here, Healthy Gut, Healthy You will help you learn more about yourself and how to create a diet that is right for you. So Dr. Ruzio, I wanna thank so much, uh, thank you so much for coming on here. Again, I know that you, um, you know, one of the world's leading experts when it comes to gut health and other things. And again, I wanna encourage everybody, check it out, Healthy Gut, Healthy You. And doc, where can people find out more about you? 
Thank you. I'm over at drrusho.com, D-R-R-U-S-C-I-O.com. We have articles, videos, a podcast. We even have a clinician's newsletter if there's any healthcare providers who want to plug in. And yeah, would uh, welcome anyone to check us out. And also, I want to thank you for giving me a chance to talk gut health. It's always great chatting with you and and chatting about gut health, which is obviously a, a core passion of mine. Awesome. Well, Dr. Michael, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for everybody for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode talking about gut health. And remember this week to use food as medicine. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure to go to my recent Instagram post and let me know what your favorite part of the show was. Also, don't forget to follow me at Dr. Josh Axe there on Insta, where I cover the latest health trends, natural medicine, and so much more. Also, if you're loving this podcast, do me a big favor, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Thanks so much for being on mission with me. See you next week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.